Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. So in order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to pay attention to and hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that happen. And I would love to learn more about the audience. So go to PodSurvey, that's P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y, PodSurvey.com slash James, and take a quick totally anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way we can bring on advertisers and and even content that you won't want to skip. So once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash James, J-A-M-E-S. Thanks for your help. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network. Tucker, welcome back. This is also the first time, not only are you the first first repeat guest, this is the first time I'm having back-to-back episodes with a guest. <laughs> Excellent. So I want to talk about Totally different subject. Last episode, we talked about fatherhood. Yes. And you were like somehow a world's expert on <laughs> having a baby. And now I want to talk about the book publishing business because you, more than just about anybody I know, know more about book publishing. I'm just going to tell a little story. So I was at Tim Ferriss's launch. He had this dinner launch for the four hour chef. And I was talking to him just in general about how I wanted to kind of professionally. I didn't want to just self-publish the normal way. I wanted to professionally self-publish so that I want, almost as if I was forming my own publishing company. Right. And Tim um, yells out to someone, hey, set, email Tucker's post on this to James. So right away, I got, I got the post. And I already knew you from, from emails. Right. But then Claudia and I flew down to Austin, hung out with you, and really kind of mapped out the process that became – Choose yourself. Right. So I wrote, it's a little different than, so now you're doing a business book in a box, which is a little bit different than what we did because I wrote uh, uh-huh. Choose Yourself. But describe book in a box. And, and you just started this and it's already, you just told me offline. Right. And since you started in August, it's made $360,000. No, 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 actually more. Uh, so we did 200000 in the first two months. We probably did that LinkedIn post is going to make us anywhere between two hundred fifty and four hundred thousand in revenue. Hmm. So we're going to be over five hundred thousand for the year for the first six months. So what, I don't know my math. It's like four months. So yeah, uh, six. What? Just call it six okay, months. Okay, six. So so describe the business and then let's talk. And 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 also, just in general, I want to talk about publishing with you. But yeah. but discuss this business first. What is this business? All right. So book in a box is very simple. It is. Essentially, uh, it's kind of a new way to write a book. Uh, I, I, for 10 years, I've met people who have come up to me. They, oh, you're an author. I, I have a great idea for a book. I'm sure you hear this all the time, right? Yeah. Everyone's like and, – and then they – Everybody sh- wants to co-author or go – or you know, it's a, <laughs> the most annoying thing. Like I have nothing else to do with my time. <laughs> right, so. right. Let me, let me coast off your, uh, your success for my book. No, but people always ask me 
how do I become an author? How do I get a book? How do I get published? Right. And so, and then I start usually explaining the process and they're like eyes glaze over because no one wants to do the work. Everyone wants a book, but no one wants to do any of the work. Right? And it's hard work. Like sitting, you know, slouched over a computer for let's call it a year is not fun. It's not a fun activity. It's no. not, it's not a, a, uh, you know, we're used to hunting for food. We're not used to sitting over a computer. <laughs> and you get that fight or flight, but you can't fight or flight. You're just sitting in front you of have a to computer. Sit there, right? Yeah. It's, it's a very unusual emotional uh, and sort of neurological process writing. Um, it's very specific and it's a very specific skill. And some people are very good at it. Uh, but and, and, most and on, that, on that point, how many New York Times bestsellers do you have? Three. Then how many books, how many book copies overall? Three million. Okay, so right. you know what you're talking about. Right. I, I have some idea what it means to be uh, a good writer. So the only three people to ever have uh, three books on the New York Times bestseller list at one time, nonfiction, are me, Malcolm Gladwell, and Michael Lewis. Hmm. So right, At right. the same time. At the same time. Three right. books at the same time on the hmm. list, only three of us. Um, and, and so, right. So I have, I have an idea of what I'm talking about when it comes to writing. Um, and so, anyway, so, like, it's funny. I never define myself as a writer, but when people ask me that question, how do I, uh, like, you know, how do I get a book? Then I always like, I kind of get a little snobby and elitish. Well, you have to write it and you have to do this and you have to do that. And it's like the, the work and the hard work and the process. And that's really the cultural narrative. If you look at anything at all about books or writing books or publishing, it's like everyone emphasizes how hard it has to be. First off, because it is a hard process, but then I think there's a, there's a, a, a narrative in, in sort of publishing. In the publishing sort of informational system or the publishing media that like the more you suffer, the more valid your art is or whatever, which of course is total bullshit, but whatever. Um, and by and, the way, book writing doesn't have to be art. I would say there's a, a, also only a handful of writers who are artistically writing. I, I don't really make the distinction. I think if you're expressing yourself in a creative medium, it's art. But a lot of people want to kind of – um, pass on information, but they might not have had the experience writing, and so they're good at passing on the information. Right. But I, it might not be say like you might not think, I think yourself, that's I art. Just read the most beautiful prose, or but whatever. why is that not art? I mean, like you know, listen, uh, David Foster Wallace maybe is a much better, a much more beautiful sentence crafter than I am. But why is his stuff art and mine isn't? Or just for example, I would actually say the reverse, but that's another discussion. Right, <laughs> I, I think it's all art. Some of it is maybe good art or bad art, or some of it is high art or whatever. I, I know. I know what you're saying though. So most people don't read for uh, for art; they read for information, right? But anyway, so so I used to kind of give people the answer: "Oh, well, you got to put in the work and whatever." And that's the narrative: is that like this is a hard process, right? And I think a lot of writers say that because, first off, they they like their identity; they like the exclus exclusivity of being a writer, right? That it's hard to get a book deal; it's hard to get anyone to buy your book. Uh, it's it's a hard thing to do. So if I'm in the club, it makes me better than other people. There's there's really a snobby sort of elitism to it, and um and I I'm I fully fell in that camp for years, right? And about I don't know six months ago uh, or a little bit more eight months, I was at an entrepreneur dinner in New York, the LDV sort of series. Um and uh, what's this, LDV? It's uh, I forget what it stands for. Evan Nisselson runs it. It's like uh, sort of like an invite only. I should introduce you to Evan. I can't oh, yeah. believe I haven't. Like, I'm kind of embarrassed. I know you two would love each other. He's he's like a, a you know mentor at 500 startups. He has his own uh, VC or angel fund. He's you know exited a bunch of companies. He's a really cool dude. He's sort of like uh, maybe not quite, but like the um, 
like the uh, the the Ron Conway of New York, right? Okay, not quite that big, but but a connector, very much of that type of person. And so I forget how I met him, but he invited me to one of the dinners. And at the dinner, you know, he introduced me as a publishing guy, sort of like what you did. And so one of the female entrepreneurs, his his dinners are really cool too because they're always fifty fifty split, fifty percent women, fifty percent men. And so um, one of the women came up to me after like the little intros, and she's like, "Hey, uh, I want to write a book." Um, you know, can you help me? I'm like, yeah, of course. And so, like, long, long story short, she basically, like, she doesn't have the time to write a book. And she kind of tried to figure out the self-publishing and the traditional publishing process. And she's like, they're both ridiculously complex and nonsensical. And this is right. a mess. Unless you put in, like, with self-publishing. A bunch of time. This is why I was, this is why I originally came to that question. Originally went down to Austin. To professionally self-publish is a, a thousand percent different than self-publishing, yes. and a thousand percent different than traditional, traditional publishing. publishing. Right, and very few people have done it. Like I've done it. Yes. like I don't know other people who have. There are a few others, but you're you're one of the like, shiny examples of professional self-publishing. I would say I don't know if you call it this, but like with Sloppy Seconds, your your book, mm-hmm. that's sort of a high-end professional self-publishing. Yeah, 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 sort yeah, of it's a, like hybrid, a hybrid. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you know, like uh, we'll, we can talk about my publishing company, what I did with Simon, but um. Uh, a little bit later, but so 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 basically, like she she wanted a she she's smart. She had good ideas, and she wanted a book, but she didn't want to go through the normal book process, right? And so, of course, you know, I start I, I give her my little canned speech about well, writing you got to sit down and do the work and blah blah blah. And she rolls her eyes at me, right? Like not like her eyes didn't glaze over, like like you know, like like she wasn't listening. She ro- straight up rolled her eyes. So at she me, pushed back, right? And she's like, she called you on it. She she did, and she goes, I'll never forget it. She's like. I'm an entrepreneur. You're an entrepreneur, right? And I'm like, yeah, of course. She's like, well, in my uh, role or my job, I solve problems. That's what makes me an entrepreneur. Can you solve my problem or not? <laughs> I was like, so, so like, that's a, that's a great way to put it. Because so entrepreneurs solve problems, but they also do it with an unfair advantage. So she couldn't write her book with an unfair advantage because she wasn't a writer. Right. So, so actually, I think her exact quote was, "Can you solve my problem or just lecture me about hard work?" And I was like, "Damn!" <laughs> like, well, the funny thing is, because she's right. Like, this woman is extraordinarily. Her name is Melissa Gonzalez. She runs a like a pop up retail consultant company, Lioness Group, or something. She's very successful. She's like won Clio awards and like made all this money and done all this crazy cool stuff, right? And so she's she's a baller, right? She's not just some schmo. And so, like, I was like, "All right, fuck." And so. Like I was kind of embarrassed uh, at the time, and so I couldn't really. You can't think when you're embarrassed. So, I, like, I went home, and a couple weeks, I, I try, like, I couldn't get past like, how, how do I get her a book without her writing it? And then eventually, I it dawned on me. I was like, well, fuck. What if I just interview her? What if she just talks her idea out? That doesn't take long at all. And the reason I knew this doesn't take long, it well, I can't talk about who it was, but I was supposed to do, um, uh, like, I was supposed to be the the co-writer on the memoir of a really, really big celebrity. I'll tell you who off air, but I actually okay. signed an NDA. I really, because I got paid and they didn't do the book and I really truthfully can't say or they'll come take all my money and they cut me a big check so I don't want to do right. that. But um, so I, I researched this a lot. Like uh, I talked to Neil Strauss about this because he's kind of done like all the big ones in that space. And um, you can usually get someone's full life story no more than 40 hours, usually 20 hours, right? And so you're talking about a nonfiction book half that time, maybe 10 hours. I mean, if you're talking. So, so what people need to know then is uh, uh, the interviewer needs to know the exact question. So it's 20 hours right. instead of 40. Exactly. So, so that's why. So, so what I thought was, all right, let me outline her book. Let's figure out, like, let me get her idea clear. 
what she wants to say very clear, which is basically uh, an outline or for the interview, and then interview her, her over the course of like eight to ten hours, right? And usually normal talking uh, people can, with a good outline and good interviewer, can get about 8,000 words an hour. So 10 hours is 80,000 words. That's way, that's way bigger right. than her book needs to be, right? right? So it's more than enough time. So uh, I, 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 I called her up and I'm like, look, what if I told you we can take you from your idea all the way through to professionally published, finished book on Amazon, everything done in 12 hours of your time? She's like, are you kidding? Done. And we like the – I forget what we charged her. It was less than what we're charging now but not much less, maybe like 10 grand or something and said, all right, like let's do it. So um, – and, and, and just to be clear, this is important to her because it's one thing if you hand your business card out at a dinner. It's another thing if you hand and somebody a, a book, book right. which all with all your curated life in the book. Like this is me. Right. Well, so the process I'm about to outline, you can do for really cheap. We just charge her a lot because she has a lot of t- uh, money and no time, right? Well, so and also that's to, why she's paying us. To be fair, like I know the designer you use. We still use her for mm-hmm. books. She's I know, amazing. I know the I know the editors. I know I know your whole team. Right. So. It's you provide value where there's value. Well, and the fact that what you're paying for with us is our expertise, and the fact that you only have to spend 12 hours on it. Like you're paying for time, right? Uh, time and expertise. So, so what we did is like we did the outline, came out really good, and then did the interviews and recorded the interviews. Uh, sent the interviews to like Speechpad to get transcribed, right? Which is like a dollar a minute. Um, transcribed all of them. It was uh, I think maybe a 60,000 word manuscript when we were done. Uh, and of course, if you've ever seen a transcribed audio recording, it's gibberish. You can't read it. Like it's 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 a totally different thing. Right. All these ums and uhs and likes and and thoughts go different places that when you listen to make total sense, don't make sense on the page. So we took that sixty thousand word manuscript, uh, handed it to an editor friend of ours. Um, she went through it, basically same words, same ideas, same concepts, just turned it into book prose. Right, so she didn't. She didn't rewrite it. She didn't write it. It's Melissa's ideas and her words and her text, and she's got the outline, so she knows exactly what she's trying to say. She just makes the sentences uh, read well, then the paragraphs, and then the pages, and she's done. It, it only took her like two days to turn sixty thousand words into like forty five thousand words of finished manuscript, and it was great. I mean, it was fantastic. It was amazing. And Melissa was super happy. I'm kind of speeding up the process. There were other little things. And then we did all the other like stuff. Like what other little things? Okay. So uh, it took one other round of content edits at the end um, because we hadn't refined our outlining process. Now we have our outlining process really tight. Like if I showed you, it's almost an algorithmic process. Like you can plug in anyone smart into our process and they can nail it first what's, step. What's an example of like the things in your outline? So we actually have a set of questions that we ask people um, to get the uh, – we know where they have to get, right? And so we know what questions get most people there. Some people come in and they're fucking sharp and they're smart and they know exactly what their book is about. They know exactly what they want to say. So the outline is essentially just putting shit in order. Really simple. Mm-hmm. Some people come in uh, – like I'm working – uh, on 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 one book now. Even though like I'm the CEO, uh, part of the rule of our company so far is that um, all the employees, sort of like the, in the Marines, every Marine's first job is to put lead on target. You got to be able to shoot first, then you do your job. Logistics or trucking or infantry, whatever. Right? Our company's same way. Uh, our goal is to create great books, uh, help people create great books, and so everyone has to work on some part of the process, regardless of what your job in the company is. You've got to be 
good at outlining uh, or editing, right? And so we all work on books because that, there's no other better way to understand the process and to get good at it and to make it really work well. So I'm working with this uh, one and dude. And I think also just to add, like as a, as a CEO, like I have a sign next to my computer, which which Claudia uh, actually had me write, which is remove myself from the equation. So every project I get involved in, my first goal to the end is to remove myself as much as possible from the equation, which means everybody else has to take – Take up the different parts of the equation. Right. So it sounds like that's what you're trying to well, do. Well, yeah, company. we're trying to, but we also eat our own dog food. Mm. You know, so like, um, like I'm writing a book now, how to write a book in 12 hours, which is essentially uh, our process, and I'm using the book in a box process to write the book about the book in a box process, right? Which is Very sort of like, meta. It's like right? A it's like back on HBO. Well, it's like it's like using a lathe to make a lathe. You know, yeah. like a machine to make a machine, right? Um. So anyway, so. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, uh, what I was saying is like, I'm, I'm, you did some content edits well, on, right? We did content edits, uh, because like the outlining process really is the key. If you get the outline right, everything else is really easy. If you screw the outline up, then sort of like, uh, garbage in, garbage out. It becomes shitty later on. Okay. So then you were saying you were working on a book right now where this is in the outline, right? Well, th- this one guy I'm talking to, he's sort of like a real estate inspirational speaker type and he actually has really good ideas and he's a really smart guy. He's just really scatterbrained. He's, n- he's very dyslexic and he's very, um, he thinks in a very speech way, not a writer writing way, right? So I have to like translate his ideas to a clear sort of order, right? And 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 put them into not just an order but also a pattern and make them work in a book. All the contents there, it's just the outline process is very difficult with him. It's just more time consuming. It's not really that hard. It's just time consuming, right? And so we what we're doing is developing a a pretty clear set of questions and then that help uh, the person who does the outline, because we use almost all freelancers, right? It's not we, – we, I am being taken out of the equation, but the process has to be set really, really well before we can insert freelancers, right? Like what's an example question you would ask this real estate guy? So, um, okay. So it's sort of like, you know, what, what's your book – uh, what is your book about? Uh, who do you envision the audience uh, being? What value do you envision your audience taking from this? Um, why do you think they're going to take this value? Like things like that, like very sort of uh, questions that really get to the heart of what is this person saying? Uh, how are they saying it? Who is it for? Um, and, 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 and like what are, the, what are the really important parts of what they're saying, right? Um, and so you'd kind of have to look at all the docs to really understand, but it's, it's kind of a, a pattern, a set of questions we, we, we kind of give to our freelancers to ask, right? And we've learned these over working with, you know, bunches of clients now, which one, which questions get to the core of it. Another example is like, for instance, so we have the same thing for interviewing, right? So for example, like uh, we have a couple meta rules. If someone's being very general, ask them for a specific example. If someone's only giving specific examples, Ask them for what the general rule is or application. Mm. There's like 10 of those things, right, that really help uh, the sort of interviewing freelancers go through. And James, you wouldn't believe we have such high-quality freelancers. I mean we got like people who used to be like uh, uh, feature reporters at the Washington Post and like it's it's actually easy to get super high-quality freelancers. So so is that a statement on media in general, like how the media landscape has basically shut down or Uh, turned upside down? No, it's changing a lot Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of – people uh what we found is uh the freelancers who who do really good jobs for us are ones who used to do specific jobs in old media and those jobs have changed a lot or gone away 
because we can pay them really good. Like we can take someone like a like a Washington, the former Washington Post reporter, and we'll assign. Uh, I think it's a her actually. We'll assign her to um, to a book, and she'll spend. Uh, so we we the outlining is done separate from the interviewing editing. Interviewing editing is one job, freelance job. So what she'll do is she'll spend eight hours on the phone with someone doing all the interviews, and then someone else speech pad. We actually don't we use a different service now, but a, a service transcribes it. She gets a transcript back and she edits it into a book. Right. It really takes her about 20 hours total, right? Mm. And we're paying, you know, a good four-figure sum to her. So she's like out of out of her mind excited because basically three to four effective work days, she's making, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars, right? Mm. And it's like amazing for her. And she can do four of those a month, you know, or even more. You know, like if she really wants to work hard, she can do ten a month. And she can make a six-figure income from us easily mm-hmm. and do it from home and do work she really likes doing and help people do really cool stuff. You know what I'm saying? So we're getting really, really high-quality freelancers. Um, they're not cheap, but they're not crazy expensive either. You know, It's not like ghostwriting is $40,000 to start for even a mediocre ghostwriter. Someone like Niels Parker is 75000 now or something as a ghostwriter. Yeah, and ghostwriters don't – They I, don't do a good job. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't the have a process. The quality is all over the place. Mm. Some of them are amazing and I think that and was, some are crap. That was the criticisms in your – the comments on your article on LinkedIn yeah. about this. Everyone says, well, isn't this a ghostwriting service? It's totally not. It's the words it's of, the, of the person. But now here's the question. When you have, let's say, that final 45,000 word, 45, word document, do you do any kind of like content twist, like put a, you know, at the end, end of one chapter, tease the next chapter, you know, have any kind of cliffhangers? We, we, we have a few things. Like we have a pretty good pattern for the introduction, you know, mm-hmm. like um, – for mo- well, so we have a different sort of outline structure for three different types of books. We only do nonfiction. Uh, I think we're going to develop a process for fiction. I'm actually meeting with a guy in New York when I'm here who I think is going to be the dude who's going to help us develop our fiction process because it's totally different. But um, uh, we have three three different types. There's sort of how-to advice, right? That's one type of nonfiction. There's um, sort of memoir, autobiography type. That's another type of nonfiction book. And then the third type is sort of like argumentation, uh, like making an argument or like raising awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're very different types of books and each one has a different outline structure. But like each one is like, okay, like an introduction for a how-to book. You want to start with something that grabs the reader right, right away, a really interesting first sentence. Then, then like the coolest story from the book is the first thing. And then like after that, you kind of lay out – I see. Um, so, so you're using your experience really in, in what makes a good book uh, to, oh, yeah. to, to basically motivate this outline process. So that's what they're oh, paying. Oh, yes. That, Ex- like I told you, expertise in time. Yes. We're not just – they're not just talking and we turn it into sentences. That's bullshit. You right. can pay a monkey $500 to do that. We – we are we are taking our expertise in knowing how to structure books and how to structure ideas. How to structure a, a, a potentially a best selling book. How to turn ideas into good book structure, uh, which then becomes books. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: it, if if your ideas are really stupid, then we can help you get a really well structured, really beautifully designed uh, professional book that has stupid content. If your content is great. You're going to have a great book. Top to bottom, it's going to be an amazing book. Like you had great ideas. You now have a great book with Choose Yourself. Mm-hmm. It's the same basic I, process. Which I, I – just to mention, I, I wrote mine completely. But of course I you just did. have to, to – No, no, no. You didn't use this process. <laughs> you were the last person that would yeah. make sense to use this process because you're such a prolific writer. Our process is not for people who enjoy writing or are good at writing or like writing. It's for people who have – 
ideas that they want to turn into books but don't have the time or ability to sit through the writing process or deal with the publishing process. But then I did use your designers and mm-hmm. editors. Yes, so you did. And they were amazing. They were great. I yeah. still use Erin Tyler. She's amazing. She just did the Choose Yourself Guide to Wealth for us. Mm-hmm. And she just did um, uh, Becoming an Idea Machine in 180 Days for Claudia. I saw that. It's an amazing That's cover. That's a great one. It's a beautiful cover. It's, it's a, we're going to frame it. It's a work of art. It really <laughs> is. It's great. She did the uh, – she does – she doesn't do all. We have kind of two packages: fifteen grand and twenty-five. And so, fifteen's relatively basic. It's for someone who has a great idea. They know exactly uh, what they want. They just want us to do all the work. Twenty-five is a lot more guidance, uh, more content editing, uh, things like that. Like it's just more time, right? And then we do some marketing at, uh, at the end. Basic stuff. Nothing really sophisticated. Um, but yeah, like like I basically I, I'm taking all the people, all the things I know that you have to do to do a great book, and I'm creating a process where almost anyone can walk through it and do it as a process. You and then you bring it uh, – so then you do obviously the design. Do you do audiobooks for them? We uh, That's a separate thing. Okay. It's a separate service. It's an add-on. Not many people care about audiobooks though. But you know for self-help, audiobook is important. Yes. And it adds to – on Amazon, on the Amazon page, it adds a level of professionalism when you see three lines, Kindle, paperback, Audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do hardcover as well uh, as an add-on. Um, who who does your hardcover? Uh, we use Bang mm-hmm. uh, Publishing as our printer. Bang in Minnesota. I shouldn't give all my secrets away, but I don't care. It's I'm gonna totally use it. Now. I, it's fun. you should. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, of course, I'm gonna tell you it. Yeah. No, uh, there's a bunch of different printers. Most of them charge way too much. Uh, a lot of people use Chinese printers. They're fucking terrible. Don't ever use Chinese printers, even though they're cheap. They'll fuck you ninety percent of the time. Um, their, their idea of quality control in China is not American idea of quality control. Bang printing in Minnesota, they are really cheap and they are actually the best quality or among, they're in the top tier of quality. They're amazing. They're easy to work with. They're great. Yeah. And then, so you put it on Amazon, and uh, how many books have you got? Well, we don't so use Bang. Bang is commercial offset. I think we use Lightning Source for POD hardcover because they, I think they now have POD hardcover. Okay. Right. The, see, things change so fast in self-publishing. Uh, I don't. And even, Lightning Source will get you on Amazon. We'll get you in Barnes. Yeah. Uh, Bn. Well, com. Do they we, get you in bookstores? No, you, it's available to purchase to order in bookstores. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't put anyone in bookstores because uh, we don't have. I have a distribution deal with Simon and Schuster. So uh, an author who has a great book that I actually think is really good, I can push that to Simon and ask them if they want it. But no one can guarantee you in bookstores except publishers because publishers are the only ones that have relationships with bookstores. But honestly, being a bookstore doesn't really matter that much anymore. I mean, unless if you're doing big fiction, it matters. If you're doing a few big public releases, it matters. The reality is the book landscape has totally changed. How and, about, what percentage is Amazon right now for, for everything? Uh, Kindle, uh, paperback, you mean digital, or just Amazon, and everything for books. It's hard to know because Amazon doesn't release their numbers, right? Mm-hmm. But from what most people can tell, it's anywhere from forty to seventy percent mm-hmm. of book sales, depending and, on the book. And for like, what categories would you say it reaches like eighty or ninety percent? Oh, uh, genre fiction. Okay, uh, it's huge. Like, uh, so if like, you're writing a genre novel, who cares? If about you're writing course? genre fiction, unless you're one of the big big names in genre fiction. Um, you basically are selling everything on Kindle or iBooks, like mm. the vampire novels. Uh, like I, you know, you know Sean Platt, he's a good buddy yeah, yeah. of mine, right? So Sean, I, I don't think he's he wrote has, a book I don't about think any of his books, or yeah, mm-hmm. uh, write, publish, repeat. But yeah. it's more about novelist stuff, mm. and it's much more like his polemic on. If you care about the politics of publishing, it's a great book. If you're just someone who wants a book, it's not what you should read at all. 
Um, it's 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 a very different sort of thing. Um, all genre fiction almost is it's dom. Amazon is dominating it. Um, because most people genre fiction for the most part is disposable. Like it's uh like pulpy. You know, mm-hmm. I don't mean that as an insult. It's just right. people. If you read Harley like uh, romance novels. You read sixty a year. You don't read two a year, right? Women. Right. So and, you're not going to the bookstore, and also with the Kindle, nobody knows on the subway what well, you're reading. Well, right. So right. Uh, listen, uh, genre fiction still sells in physical copies. Make no mm-hmm. mistake about it. Especially urban genre fiction. So like uh, stuff written for like black people sells mm-hmm. huge, huge in um, bookstores. Yes, mm-hmm. bookstores and like bodegas. You walk around mm-hmm. New York City, you can see, you know, like uh, I mean, those those actually still sell really, really well. But there's a, a big and grow. Basically, the younger the genre fiction uh, aims towards, the the sort of the more dominant Kindle is. But even things like romance fiction, uh, romance novels are becoming dominant on, on 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 digital because they're so much cheaper. It's so much easier to deal with. They're disposable. It's so much more. It's like it, it is just a better experience top to bottom, especially if you use fiction as sort of a, a primary form of entertainment. And there aren't a lot of people in America that do it, uh, at least composed, compared to TV, but there's still tens of millions. It's not like some little tiny niche, you know? Yeah, like just, just some numbers. I, I don't know them. Like how many books were published in the past year? So uh, no one really knows. How many ISBN numbers were issued? No. I, I uh, Oh, that's a whole separate thing. Mm-hmm. Um. That's actually a really good question. I'm not exactly – if you told me this, I could have looked it up and found it before the, the podcast. I know like three years ago or something like that, there were basically like uh, 50,000 books that came out of major publishers, like the big – at the time, big six or whatever. Mm-hmm. There were about 50 uh, – those and then uh, like uh, Perseus and some of the other really big ones. There were about 50,000 that would come out of what we would call a major publisher. There were about 500,000 uh, that were self-published. And that includes you know the goofy computer-generated books and all the other mm-hmm. nonsense. Um, so it was about a 10x difference. I think uh, both numbers have gone up substantially in the last mm-hmm. three years. Mm-hmm. I think uh, public – like it depends what your definition of mainstream publishers are, but that number is almost certainly in the six figures now. Uh, mm. I think it might even be like substantially in the six figures, and the self-publishing is almost certainly in the millions now. Mm. Mm. Uh, but you have to remember, like eighty percent of the self-published stuff like sells less than five copies or something. You know, it's not. It's like just either kooky person stuff, or there's a lot of companies that do like these computer-generated books, and like they sell twenty copies and they don't care or whatever. It's like. Those numbers are juiced in yeah, a way. Yeah, it's kind of funny sort of actually. Like I'm starting to see – like I saw this with Choose Yourself and The Power of No that Claudia and I wrote together. Right away, Summaries. somebody will Summaries. come out with yeah, a summary, a weird summary that has nothing to do with anything. No. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, because if they can sell you know, 10 uh, – whatever, uh, 20 copies a month uh, of people mistakenly buying that instead of Choose Yourself – that's like uh, whatever a hundred dollars for them, and if they can have a hundred of those, then they're making whatever ten grand a month, and and then they're going to write some scammy blog posts. I mean, these are basically scammers. They're right. trying to scam the system, and I think Amazon. If you bet against Amazon in the long run, you're almost certainly going to lose. Right, and the scammers it, are betting against Amazon. No, I I visited Amazon, and they're very uh, they're, the shit they're, they're on top of it. Yeah. Right. So I, you can make short-term money doing that. It's not a good long-term strategy. I don't pay any attention to it. I don't think it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there are some publishers. Like I, I know I talked to uh, this one publisher, um, brand new. Uh, I probably shouldn't even talk about where, uh, where they are, but um, they, they are not algorithmically publishing books. 
what he's done is he he's almost done the book in a box model like what I have except the reverse. Like we charge only for services and expertise and time, right? We you know, if you come to us, you uh it's your book, you own it, you get all the royalties. If it becomes a Hollywood movie, it's yours, like it's your thing. We're just doing you a service, right? He goes the other way around. He pays uh content uh, like writers to create content for him. He has basically a team of dudes uh that algorithmically figure out, okay, uh, what's, what's, what's really hot in cookbooks? Okay. Paleo and gluten free and these. So let's turn out like six different cookbooks that, um, that are in these little mini verticals. And he actually does pretty good content. Like he hires that, real photographers, real writers. They do good stuff and those things, but it's not like an author. It's like the publishing company. But that model works too. Like, you, you know, you know, Steve Scott. Of course. Yeah. He was on your podcast. Yeah. 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 He, he's kind of made a specialty of, of mm-hmm. the habit space. Right. He writes a book every three weeks yeah. and the guy makes like a decent living. Yeah. He does pretty well. Yeah. Uh, th- this guy's company is doing really well. He wants us to do, he wants to get in the celebrity memoir space and help build sort of empires around celebrities uh, and sort of uh, disposable content. And I think we're going to start doing books. Uh, we may start doing books with his company. We, we, we're going to do the actual book with a celebrity because he doesn't want a dog shit book. He wants a real book with a, a real memoir. I see. So celeb. he'll find the celebrity. He'll like buy the rights to the celebrity's bookstory. Right, right. And then hire the celebrity will commit to, make... to 40 hours on the phone. Right. Uh, we will. It'll be our process. Uh, our sort of that's our a smart idea right. for both sides. Yeah. For it, all three sides. It's yeah. A it's idea. a smart for all three sides. It's exactly right. I, I think it, I think it could work really well. So how, how will you do it with fiction? Like will you kind of take a, a very standard like let's say it's genre fiction will you take a very standard story structure and then apply it to someone's ideas so, or life or- um so the long-term strat not long it's not really that long term um, reminds me a little by the way of james Frey's strategy from a couple of years ago uh he was kind he's of still doing it yeah, yeah he's pumping out he's basically taking james james patterson james Frey, both basically have content studios mm-hmm. right and they're essentially trying to almost like what movie studios are to movies they are trying to do to books and to fiction right and that can that like the sort of genius working with a team of copywriters essentially is what they are um that can absolutely work we're doing the opposite right mm-hmm. we are providing uh, an algorithm a structure a platform so that anyone can essentially write a, a, a book uh, without having to go through all the unnecessary pain points so all you base my goal is to create a platform so that all you have to do is have great ideas and you can turn them into books without having you don't have to learn to write you don't have to find time to write you don't have to deal with the publishing process you don't have to like you know design the cover you don't have to deal with Amazon we do all the shitty stuff. All you have to do is have great ideas, whether they're they're story ideas for fiction or whether they're uh, whatever, self-help ideas for nonfiction or whatever nonfiction you do, anything like that. We are sort of um, – we, we, it's books as a process, you know? So let's say someone wants to come to you prepared. So they they, they – you know, let's say they have some skills as a writer, but they're running a business, so they need the book out, but they just right. don't have the time because it takes a long time. Right. The book is dedication. a lead gen for their business, which is very popular. Yeah, we have a ton of those clients. So, so what kind of skills, even skills as a writer, would, should someone ideally bring to the table? None. They don't to, need any. To, they don't need any of those. They all, even they, outline ability. No, no, mm-hmm. because I mean, like, if you have it, great. It'll mm-hmm. probably make the process faster. You don't need it. That's the whole point of our process. I mean, mm. think about like think about how ridiculous it would be if 
uh, if Uber made you drive the car. It's like, why the hell call Uber, right? right? right. It's ridiculous if we make people do part of the work. Like, that doesn't make sense. That's why you're paying us, right? And so, so, so. I wonder how you could apply it to other things, too. Cause, like, you figure, so there's books, there's nonfiction books, and you divide it out into three categories. Yeah, James, then you're, fiction, getting, you're getting it. You're getting you're, you're, you're killing me, dude. You're going <laughs> to give away our business model. All right, all right. right. No, that's exactly, you're, you're totally right. Yeah. Obviously, I, like, you're too smart to, for you not to understand this. Uh, once we nail nonfiction, we want to do fiction. Once we do fiction, we want to try and see what other things this works for. I think it can work for screenplays. I think it can work for TV shows. I think it can work for speeches. I think it can work for pitch decks, um, you know, like Excel type, you know, presentations, right. startup pitch decks, anything like that. I think it can absolutely work for. In fact, I think it can work for, this is a little bit crazy, but I think it can work for essentially any creative, uh, endeavor, um, painting, music, whatever. Because if you think about it, creating, like becoming a painter involves like this fucking difficult process of learning all the skills involved, right? And like, what if you could somehow eliminate all of the, 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 all of the pain points of learning those skills and you could just transfer sort of your in the image in your head to the page somehow, right? Like how does that work? What does that look like? And clearly that's years away from what we're doing. No, but you know but- what? It's funny. It reminds me actually I, I ran into someone who was doing something slightly different but this person was a professional forger. So she would um, – they would they would take a photograph, like a nice photograph. They would blow it up and then um, put it on a canvas – and or print it onto a canvas and then use oil paints to paint over the photograph right and then no, people would sell would buy the paintings for like tens of thousands of dollars because no one would think to scrape the paint off to see that there was a photograph yeah. underneath <laughs> yeah right so exactly no no no. exactly so it wouldn't so, be quite like that but it just no, no, reminds no. me of that yeah it's something like that like <laughs> um I, i'm not sure what that would look like right <laughs> because i'm focused on books right now but the, the, the my real mission uh is i i think I think it can be a way easier for people to create uh, uh, all sorts of different, uh, whatever you want to call it, art, creative products. Even if even if you don't want to call a nonfiction book a piece of art, at the very least, it's a creative product, right? And I think that um, it would be really cool if people could put their i take their ideas and effectuate them. If you can reduce the obstacles to that then that adds a lot of value to the world. See, what I like about this business is, and this is typical of businesses that I like, is that you actually should never raise money, for instance, for this business. We're not. Because why be obligated We're already super profitable. Yeah, yeah. And and also, there's nothing you need to spend the money on. Like, you're just going to grow. You could hire as you grow and fire as you not grow or whatever. We have no employees, right? It's Mm -hmm. me and Zach, co-founders. We're about to hire our first employee. He's going to be a project manager. Uh, yeah, because you need someone to run. when you have enough projects. When you have more than ten, you need you someone run it. Yeah. yeah. So we're we're uh, we're we're I think we just signed some client somewhere between twenty and thirty. I can't keep up. Uh, so we definitely need a project manager because Zach's doing all that now, and we're going to pass to the project manager, and then everyone else we use is a freelancer. You know, and so like we could obviously we could hire a lot of these people internally, but 
that doesn't make any sense. We could probably pay them less and hire them internally. I would actually much rather them be freelancers because I think they'll work harder. I think they'll do a better job. I think they'll, they can make more money and we can get better product. Well, it's, it's almost better. I like we're moving towards this employeeless society where mm-hmm. it's better for everybody not to get fired and hired and you don't have to deal with the paperwork. And it becomes like you, what essentially you are is you're, you're becoming the, the Uber of bookmaking. So that's what's happening. We're, there's, we're a platform. There's you, and there, there's you with a body of people who need work. And then there's an, on the other side, there's a body of people who need to make books. And in the middle, there's logistics of how it's getting all done, the process of how it's getting done. Can I, can I tell you what's really exciting about this? Yes. I, I don't want to talk about this on podcasts because I'm afraid someone's going to steal the no idea. No one's going to steal the I idea. Yeah, no I one's listening. Because no one's going to execute. People will steal the idea, but but no one will execute it. So, right. So that, that's actually the important thing. You can share any idea and nobody executes. Right. Unless so, it's super – unless they just have to – to do one thing or something and, and also yeah. don't forget there's expertise you, you're the one of three so maybe malcolm gladwell will steal the idea like you're <laughs> one of three people who are like well, three times and on the same time in the book new york times bestselling list yeah so here's what i really want to do so right now our service is um you know is, is very expensive right and like i said i mean i just outlined the basics of exactly what we do anyone can do this this is this process requires no like there's no special proprietary algorithm that you can't figure out or whatever, right? Um, you can do this. You know what I really want to do is I want to I want to keep the the high end service, no doubt, because there will always be a big market for people who have money but no time and want us to do the work for them. All they have to do is talk. There's always going to be a big market for that. We're always going to be there for that. But I want to extend our service to people who have a lot of time but no money. Uh, and the way we can do we the way we can make this book in a box process work for uh, people who can't afford $15,000 who maybe can only afford, let's say 500 bucks or a thousand bucks is we make it software as a service. Oh my God. I totally figured it out. So you can have people call into a phone number where, where the phone call comes. No, why call? They can do it through their computer. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, and so, vo- so, so the questions Skype, are all, yeah, it's like a SAS thing. Like the, the, there's a, uh, the questions are all planned and then you have like kind of a create space type thing where you can design the book cover and beginning to end. And then what's, what I think is really cool, right, so we can have it where it's like, you know, maybe... You um, outsource to India where to take out the ums and the ahs. Exactly. It will, to transcription, whatever. I, I think we, we have it all different price tiers. So it's maybe like 100 bucks, and you have to do everything yourself, but, but, but it's step-by-step instructions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then maybe like, um, let's say you want to do everything yourself except the book cover. You just don't want to design that. And you've got 500 bucks. You want to get a nice book cover. So then... You can buy a $500 book cover. Like we handle paying the designer. We handle finding them, et cetera, et cetera. It's sort of like 99 designs. Except you don't have to go to 99 designs. You just, we just do it. You're like, here's my budget. I want the best one possible for it. You know, you're going to get a good cover. They know they're going to, the designer knows they're going to get paid. You can upgrade. You can essentially level up at any part of the process you want. Right. You get stuck somewhere for 10 bucks an hour. You can have, or 10 bucks a, a call, you can have a professional editor come on and read through and help you, you know, whatever. Like there's a million ways to do it, but it's essentially uh, software as a service with an opportunity to level up at every single spot. So some people will spend five grand, some people will spend 50, but everyone now is essentially on an even playing field to get their ideas out there. Okay, so then part two, which uh, I, I forget if we talked about it offline or online, but part two, which is book marketing. Yeah. So, so a lot of people don't care about book marketing because the book becomes their business card and right. they send it out to all the clients right. and whatever. But other people, particularly fiction, when you get into that, other people are going to want to sell multiple, you know, lots of books. Right. So how do you, how will you deal with 
and make it as service oriented as possible? How do you standardize the book marketing? Process? That's a tough question. So, so right now with Book in a Box, we have a marketing package, sort of like a mini launch with a twenty five thousand dollar package. Uh, we do like sort of like ten different things, and and it's not like a major like like James Altucher or Tim Ferriss book launch, but it's you know something good for most people, right? There, there's it gives a lot of good social so proof for their book. You could schedule a Reddit AMA. You could make a Facebook fan page, right? Blog. Right. Uh, you know, like press release, uh, put you up, mm. put people on a couple podcasts. Uh, things like that, really mm. basic things, right? Give them a couple guest posts, things that like for the vast majority of people, that's more than enough social proof and they're like really happy and it, it, it gives their book the social proof they need for their book to accomplish their goal, right? A CEO to put on his resume or a, you know, business owner to generate leads or a, a speaker to charge more, a consultant to get new clients, things like that, right? Um, Yes, that's a good question. What about the people that really want to like ha- that they, they don't have another use for the book? The book is the end in itself. That's a very difficult thing because now you're getting into discovery, which is a totally different business than content creation, right? Um, I know some people, um, one person specifically who's working on this, and, and we're working with him to try and help him develop sort of. Uh, for lack of a better term, book marketing in a box type process. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I don't, I don't know if there's an algorithmic process where you can do this. The best you can a do. A lot of it is, a lot of it is, there's a, there's a magic yes. in there. And so, like, how did Fifty Shades of Grey out of the blue, you know, sell tens of millions of copies? Like, nobody really knows. That's the its answer. own podcast. Yeah, right. right. I, I think the best you can do with book marketing is you can ask people a bunch of questions, and then based on their answers, you can recommend a couple strategies, and then give them guides on how to effectuate those strategies. Because they need to do stuff. The author needs right. to do stuff. Exactly. Like the author needs. It seems like the author needs to already be engaged in the conversation with their community. Like, take your books. You had a huge community already when book one came out right so those people automatically went to the book they store bought, and bought the books right right so if you don't have like you have you know 30 grand to hire ryan holiday or charlie helen to promote your book right and so they do all this stuff mm-hmm. um but if you don't have that money what do you do i think i think a book marketing in a box type like algorithmic program could work really well but what it's got to do is teach people like tell them okay here's 10 possible things Figure out what makes the most sense with you and then here's a guide on how to do each thing. Like here's how to set up a Reddit AMA. Here's how to pitch bloggers. Uh, here's how to whatever. Things like that, right? I think that could work really well because right now there's there's really not a lot of great information on how to book market and it's all over the place. Fiction is slowly different than nonfiction. Certain types of nonfiction or whatever. And what this could do is sort of essentially be like a choose-your-own-adventure type thing um, where you, you – Depending on what your goals are, what your resources are, how much work you want to put in, et cetera, et cetera, it's a different answer for what you should do for book marketing for everybody, right? Right. So a process like that where that that kind of algorithmically help people figure out what's the right answer and then how do I do that? Uh, people would pay you know a few hundred bucks for that and be extremely valuable for them. Um, and I think that would be a really good sort of process. But I think that's a different thing than book in a box. It's it's just a book discovery and book marketing is just such a different thing than creating a book. They're, yeah, because there's a little bit of art there as well as science, right? And 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 mystery in the middle. Exactly. So, but but still, there's like the basic things, like you said, like scheduling the Reddit AMA, setting up the the introductions to podcasts, stuff like that. So, so how's it going with your podcast? 
Podcast is doing good, man. It chugs along. We the mating uh, grounds. We're gonna pass, I think, a million downloads before uh, or by the end of the year. That's great. And, you know, Six Jeff months. Miller, of course, was on this podcast. Yeah, uh-huh. He did very well. Yeah. Very interesting evolutionary psychologist on how to meet yeah. women or men or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you guys are writing a book together. Yeah. Maybe it should be out December of next year, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So I'm looking forward to that one as well. It should so, be pretty good. Man, yeah. we're going to have like nonstop repeat. We have to have you on when your kid's 15 years old. <laughs> we have to have you on when you start doing fiction. And then when the mating grounds comes out, we'll have you on. We'll have Jeff on for that. He'll probably be better than me. Yeah, no, well, we'll have both on. Now we've got this uh, table Right, here. you've got this setup here. <laughs> so, it's pretty sweet. So, yeah, and Jeff was a good guest, though. He was fun. Yeah. And then he answered separately a separate question we had. So Claudia and I were in Miami, and we right. were wondering why everybody had blonde hair. So typically women who are in their 40s or 50s don't have blonde hair. Neonties. So, what, what did he say? So he said that because women – so I wrote him, Jeff, you know – Dr. Miller, why why do uh, all these women dye their hair blonde? And he said, well, it's, uh, you know, because women don't tend to have blonde hair when they're older, when they're younger, and because mm. men are seeking for women who are Huge. fertile, so they, they, they do this to, you know, send out the signal that they're fertile, even if they're not, to, to men. Right, right. It will send out the signal that they're young, yeah. which is a, a secondary signal that they're fertile. Blonde hair, uh, that's why breast implants are so popular. That's why men care about big breasts because large voluptuous breasts uh, are indicia of youth. Uh, it's like a, an honest signal of youth. Uh, 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 biologically, it's an honest signal of youth. Yeah, it's because because humans are neotenized. Whatever, I can go deep in the biology, but that's exactly right. Yeah. So from, from book in a box to, to boob. So, <laughs> so all good stuff. You know what's funny? <laughs> Everyone thinks I named it book in a box because of the, the Saturday Night Live skit, Dick in a Box, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. I didn't even think about that. No, I was like the point is supposed to be it's like everything you need for a book just like in a box, like really simple, right? And it flowed off the tongue. But now it's like everyone's like, oh, Tucker, you're making a fucking joke about Dick in a Box. I'm like, no, I'm not. Well, really. you had, the, you had the, um, the rough draft of the book I saw, Bookstrapper. You, right. didn't, you didn't like that name? Well, no, no. Uh, so well, that's a, that was a different book that was about book marketing mm-hmm. and and so it's funny uh, books book in a box emerged out of lying i had a publishing sort of company we did like consulting and some publishing mm-hmm. work and then a little bit uh, we did some book marketing and then like i had other, all these other things and once book in a box took off i actually it. i shut all those things down and you love it like you feel it yes yes it's like you don't want to sell it ever uh I mean, if, I'm okay, not going to say never. Like if it has 10 million in revenues, Look, Amazon offers you 70 million, you might take it. I'm probably going to take it, right? Yeah. Like let's not be ridiculous. Uh-huh. I'm not. I'm not stupid, um, right? Because I'm not going to fight with Amazon. If they come in with a check, I'm all right. Amazon, there you go. Like, right, because they could do it. Not, not. I mean, people always say, "Oh, Google could do this, or Amazon could do this." The reality is, big companies usually don't do entrepreneurial ventures. They buy them. They buy them. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, no, I mean, like, um, it's not. I do love the the company, but it's more like one of the things I've learned, man, is I got to focus. Like mm-hmm. I was doing way too many things. So the only shit I do now business-wise, book in a box and mating grounds. That's it. That's all I do. I think that's really smart because that this is also – these are the things you love doing. You, you can only do stuff that you feel it in your chest. Like this is what puts you on fire. And then you're going to do good at it because you'll know exactly what to do in every decision. Well, and you just have time to dedicate, man. You only have so many hours. In the, I mean, I have a family now, so they get a huge block of time. And then I have to like spend a little time like, you know, on myself. So I only have whatever. Let's call it eight hours a day of real work time. 
that I can dedicate to stuff. And if I'm splitting that across three or four or five things, then everything gets shit. It's oh, like the, it's horrible. Yeah, it's like when you only have enough bread, you only have enough butter for one slice of bread. You try and put it on two. What do you get? You get shitty bread, right? Egg. Put all of it on one slice and just eat one slice, and that slice is is amazing. And you're better off having one amazing slice than two shitty slices. Well, but it's interesting though because. There's focus and there's focus. So you're doing book in the box, but book in the box is doing 20 books. But because you've standardized and processed it out, you're able to kind of concentrate. Uh, you're able to take variety and turn it into focus, and that's the key, really. Well, my job, I explain this to Zach because uh, we're kind of like co we're co-founders. I'm the CEO, he's the COO. But what I explained is our job as co-founders is to create stable ground for our employees and freelancers to stand on and do the do the actual work right, right? and so once we have the process i mean the last 3 months have been hell getting this process right tons of work but once we get it right it's like we can plug in any capable smart uh sort of writing editing freelancer and they're going to do a fantastic job and we can have one really smart capable uh, pro- uh product um uh, 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 project manager and those two people are going to get 98% of the stuff right on their own and then we're always there when there's a problem whatever right yeah so like we just have to create the stable ground and then like you know if we start doing software as a service all right then then we have that's where we focus on is creating something out of nothing and making it awesome and then someone else comes along to run it once it's awesome you know yeah no i actually i i'm jealous i think this is a great business idea this is good I, I, I think it is pretty good too. I know that's the best part is we don't have to raise money. We're already like I, – I think we realistically are going to do about half a million gross in the first six months. Yeah, that's great. Um, that's I, like – I mean that's gross. Our margins are, are pretty good. They're not amazing. I think we can get them amazing. You don't have to worry about it so much yet because they'll get, they'll get better They'll get too. better. Yeah. 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 As we systematize the process more and we find sort of better balance of freelancers and stuff like that, the most important thing for us now is getting the books awesome, making sure they're really awesome. And so we're like working with the most expensive people for the most part. Uh, so we don't have amazing margins, uh, but they're good. But imagine when the next real estate guy comes to you. You're going to know the outline already. It's, so it's exactly. just, you know, there's it makes just a things lot of things easier. that mm-hmm. the more books you do the better your margins are going to be they're not going to get because you're always going to have that that really professional freelancer who's going to cost x good people cost money yeah so but you should be able to get up to a solid like you know 30 40 percent margins like done right so way better we're gonna do better than that yeah yeah. Right, well, we're, we're a little right. bit better than that now <laughs> and i think we can really optimize margins without losing i mean that's the key optimize margins without losing quality obviously i mean basically every ceo in the fortune 500 should uh should have a book oh yeah so. every ceo every entrepreneur every speaker every consultant they should all have books you should almost take every ted talk make a book out of it and then call the guy and say hey i've got your book ready do you want it or not so <laughs> well but if they say no i can't sell it so what am i going to do when they say no just sit there with a the book you might be able to sell it. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to sell other people's ideas. That's awful. All right. Man. Separate idea for the listeners. Go out there and make <laughs> TED Publishing. But like, actually, yeah. Well, TED publishes their own stuff and they, they might do. come after you. Yeah, they, they, they're they getting Just a little – Just don't use little, the word TED. Like, like okay. Call Ken, it Fred. Ken Robinson on education. Here's the book. Here's so. the summary. <laughs> I heard Ken talk. Here's what he said. It's just the – the yeah the the speech that would be that would be pretty uh, scammy I think yeah but. that could be uh, all right well Tucker great congratulations book in a box Thank and you. fatherhood so yes. two episodes in a row thanks Excellent. a lot. 
For more from James, check out the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network at stansberryradio.com and get yourself on the free insiders list today.